Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of Cast Dice. Uh, my name is Old Man Morin, and this is a podcast that explores the rich and wonderful world of gaming that is, exists now in the world. Um, as the years have progressed, gaming seems to gaming companies, the, the gaming industry, people who design games seem to be learning from one another's mistakes slash successes. And we are just, we've entered this gaming renaissance where there are too many good games to play and not enough good time and money to allocate to uh, the games that we love. And so this podcast seeks to explore the gaming industry, uh, games that I've enjoyed or games that my guests have. Uh, this particular episode will focus on one of my personal faves, uh, Conflict 47, uh, a game by Warlord Games, which is the Weird War rules for our favorite bolt action game. Joining me this evening is, as usual, an excellent human being and I think I can probably say my regular gaming partner at this point, uh, Dave. Dave Monroe, welcome back to Cast Dice. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Brad. And it's uh, always a pleasure to come and have a gaming chat with you. Oh, man, we've gotten some serious games in, too. Uh, so you yeah, and I... Yeah, it's not working. Yeah, pff, me being on vacation and you taking a hiatus from the old work uh, has led to us having uh, quite a few good games. So not only have we been playing Gaslands, uh, which is the Osprey Car Wars X-Wing-esque game um, using converted Matchbox cars. We'll talk about that in a future episode uh, very soon. Fantastic, by the way. Uh, this yeah. episode is to talk about the other game that we've been playing. Uh, as I just said, Warlords Games for uh, Conflict 47. Now... You might think, oh, Conflict 47, it's been out for a while. Um, what's all, you know, why are you so excited about it? Well, if you missed the last time we talked about Conflict 47, and I believe that was episode three of Cast Dice, we talked about all of the rules changes. Um, so there was a Conflict 47 book called Resurgence. Uh, and it wasn't just an army book or a campaign book that we commonly see associated with bolt action. It actually updated the Conflict 47 rules really significantly. Uh, it also added the rules for the Finns. It added the rules for the Japanese. And it just and it actually added a bunch of units for all the other five or sorry, four major nations that existed. Uh, the British, the Americans, the Germans and, of course, the Soviets. And it, it advanced the narrative. So, starting tonight, now that we've gotten some games in, and we've tried out some different armies, and we played some of the new ones, I thought we would revisit that conversation, and uh, along the way, Dave and I have come up with a big, long topic, uh, a big, long list of topics uh, to discuss this evening, having to do with the Conflict 47 universe, the rules, and the armies. Uh, why don't we talk about how we have found the rules changes uh, Dave, why don't you uh, <laughs> tackle this one? Because I keep tripping over my tongue and I'm talking too much. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I think the the timing of uh, when conflict dropped and and the shift to BAR version two of bold action in the in the can almost simultaneously did generate a bit of confusion in the heads of gamers, us as well, as we were yeah. trying to remember which version we were were moving to, mm -hmm. and the the new rules have. Um, help clarify a few things that were bit out of the first edition and also bring them into place, uh, line them up well. So I think it um, continues to be a really uh, 
very clean set of rules, I think. Um, uh, the, the, yeah, it's, it's good fun. There's space for the weird units. Your, your ordinary uh, World War II units are competitive, particularly the late war stuff, given mm-hmm. that's a late war list and an excuse to get those Pershings and all those sort of IS-2s and later war tanks on the table if you want. Um, so I think, um, so I think the, the changes work quite well. Um, and they're kind of ones you expect anyway, where they've updated the rates of fire and the machine guns. Mm-hmm. And you went through it last time, didn't you, uh, around what some of those changes were? And updating, yeah, updating Tough Fighter, which was always my personal uh, bugaboo with the rules, so to speak. The thing that drove me up the wall um, was, you know, the efficiency of Tough Fighter versus the cost. And, of course, um, Bolt Action version 2 changed that. And we saw that um, sort of slide over into Conflict 47. But not completely. Um, The weird units kept their rule tooth and claw, which is like the old Tough Fighter rule where units get additional attacks, but they also got even more attacks. Uh, Tooth and claw units get three attacks instead of one per model. Um, And I was initially, when I looked at that, I mean, the units that have that rule tend to pay through the nose. Um, for that rule, but I was really worried. I was like, well, well, maybe not really worried, but it was one of the things I wanted to see on the tabletop because um, I really like the new Tough Fighter and how that works. Uh, For those who aren't familiar, in Bolt Action 2nd Edition um, and in Conflict 47 now, you, with Tough Fighter, every time you roll to hit, um, if you are successful, you get to roll another dice. So it's not as though they automatically get that, but it means that, um, you know, you're more likely to hit and wound and eliminate more inexperienced troops. Yeah. And I think two things that are going on concurrently with that are that it's shooting is still really dangerous. So those tooth and claw units still need to get up in your face. And the other one is the, uh, the change in assault over bold action where uh, yeah. pins aren't shedded in the assault. Uh, then in fact, they reduce your number of attacks. Big time. So yeah. if, uh, if those um, tooth and claw people arrive ready to go, then yeah, they're absolutely killing. They're uh, absolute killing machines in that first round or so. Uh, but if they've come in with a couple of pins, or if you manage to to uh, get your response fire on the way in, then it's it's not always clear that the um, who's going to win a close combat. It's still a, a really um, extreme event to happen in the game. Agreed. Um, and one of the things that I heard a lot of people um, really criticize Conflict 47 when the game first came out, they said they didn't like the reaction system. They said that it um, was clunky, it slowed things down, it made assaults not, um, I'm trying to think of the word, uh, viable. Uh, it just, it, 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 a lot of people had a lot of things to say negatively about how reactions worked. And I have to say that having played some games with you recently, um, we did use the reaction system, uh, but it isn't nearly as, how do I say, uh, game changing. Uh, It doesn't have much of an impact. Uh, I mean, it it clearly was used at points, um, and yes, it did have an impact on the game, but in order to, to react... Um, you need to have not pulled your dice out of the bag, which means that you are, I mean, and pardon the, t- the, the pun here, but you are re- being reactive. You're not being active. You are not, um, you're not being the master of your own destiny, whatsoever, you know, so to speak. Is that, uh, Dave, yeah. am I explaining that right? 
Yeah, no, I think you're right. You, um, the, you, you, the, the addition, uh, bolt action, uh, sorry, Conflict 47, because of things like the uh, reactions, because of the two-step close combat rule, probably is a slightly harder game to learn than bolt action. Agreed. Uh, if it was the first game you were picking up, but uh, that extra little bit of crunch just does provide a bit more going on at the table. I mean, bold action with the you no know, drawing the dice, and there's all you're always at the table anyway. But here, with the opportunity to actually participate and 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 react to that order of the other player, really keeps you at the table. Um, but then, when you do do it, as you as you noted, you, you do give away the initiative a little bit on that on that uh that unit um yeah so it's it's not all good um but it's i think it's a fun little dimension i like it i think that the um that together with the um uh what's the officer order is called um orders two. oh yeah snap to, uh snap to action um, so, i mean that they're i think they're really nice dimensions and uh I've read but never played the the Gates of Antares and uh, mm-hmm. they uh, Antares, however you say it. Obviously, read it, not heard it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, the those those things all exist over there in that sci-fi system. So I think that's um it's kind of a part of the bolt action universe. Absolutely, and we have to remember that um, bolt action and conflict forty-seven. Um, it's a it is a game that has a finite end. Um, it usually play, you know, five to seven turns, depending on the mission, typically six. Um, and, and there's a time limit. So, uh, by attacking, by using one of your, the order dice for that unit to react to something, it means that, um, you aren't going forward and, you know, trying to achieve an objective or something like that with this particular unit. Um, so... Yes, reacting can help keep a unit in the game if it's being attacked by something horrifying, but you don't always want to use it uh, for fear that that unit won't be able to get to where it needs to be uh, to achieve what you need to do to win the game. So I'm, I don't think it's an auto-do every time. In fact, oftentimes um, when units sort of are reaching each other, it's at, towards the end of the phase when lots of units have already activated. Uh, and mm. so, you know, that reaction just isn't possible. Not to mention, it's also not 100% uh, going to happen because you have to take that um, order test to react. Now, yeah. w- when that happens, if you happen to have a couple pins, as we know in bolt action, that just won't happen. Um, I, I like the little dynamic where if you fail that reaction test, you, you don't go down. It's not a failed order test as such, but you do take a pin. Yes. So so that, that your, your unit loses that little bit of coherence as you've got this, oh, what are we trying to do? And, uh, and so just that just um, degrades their combat readiness a bit if you get it wrong. Agreed. Agreed. I'm, I'm also glad that not all the rules made it across. I mean, we, we've talked about how some things have changed and some things haven't changed. Uh, maybe not so much on this cast, but on the previous one. Um, things like uh, templates didn't make it across. So if you fire a, a big gun in this game, you're still using the old HE rules from version one. Um, and you're also uh, you're not using rules like turret jam, or if a unit goes down, they're only minus one to hit, not minus two. So it's almost yeah. as though the Conflict 47 uh, guys, the guys at Clockwork Goblin, 
decided to avoid the most controversial bolt action rules. Uh, for example, the Germans don't have tiger fear. Um, I, I yeah. Mean, well, I, I think the the um, Tarotam is probably just an error. I think, and 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 uh, many people just by agreement uh, sort of um, just ignore that rule. But the other ones, I, I think. Um, Actually, help create the, the the weird World War Two stuff. Um, the the smaller down relative to the normal game. Um, you've got late war. There's more. There's more ordnance flying around. They're bigger bullets and stuff. Hiding in a hole is mm-hmm. actually just less beneficial. Um, I think. Uh, what else have you got? Um, Tiger fear makes no sense when you've got vampires. Yeah. Flying vampires, uh, giant werewolves, yeah. giant so, walkers. So you're think, like, ooh, it's a yeah. tank. Oh, that's fine. And yeah. Templates. I'm a little bit ambivalent about templates. I'm not quite sure how to think about that in K47. I, I, in a way, it, it helps create more room for other weird weapons. If, you, if we keep artillery as um, multiple D6 then you could have your sonic weapons kind of or, or some other weird thing. You could have them doing templates as a new dimension, as some new roof tech in the mm. future. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, um, yeah I, I think that one I'm not sure uh, one way or the other, and I guess I don't really, really mind. I'm not passionate about that one one way or the other. Yeah, well, I, just to – so I'm going to put a cork in that one for five seconds and then sort of spool forward and then come back. So – one of the things that we kind of discovered, and it's something that I know the Rift Tech radio guys talked about on their podcast, and I know a couple of the Warlord, I mean, um, Conflict Goblin guys, uh, sorry, Clockwork Goblin, I would do that every time, uh, guys have talked about on Facebook, is they tend to play larger games than perhaps you would in bolt action. A lot of bolt mm-hmm. action events tend to run around 1,000 points. I know some are less. I know some are 1,250. Um, I know there's a Melbourne event coming up that's 1300, um, but a lot of the Conflict 47 appears to be played at by the people who wrote it um, or the people who play a lot of it tends to be around 1250 to 1500 points. Um, Now, to sort of spool back to what we were saying about templates, uh, a lot of the army lists um, for this, of course, if you're using the army list provided in the Conflict 47 book uh, and either one of the two, you will get um, a lot of specifically late war themed vehicles and units. Um, and oftentimes, especially for some of the, the big races, the, like the U.S., the Soviets, the Germans, uh, and to a degree the British, you see massive guns on tanks. So I, I almost feel like there's a culture of big AT um, built into the game to help you know, cripple those walkers, to help bust those big tanks. Whereas in bolt action, sort of the the big gun tanks tended to be seen as a liability, which is one of the reasons why they changed it to a template. In Conflict 47, I think because you're playing at bigger point values, um, the big point cost on an AT weapon like that isn't going to be such a hard pill to swallow. And you also have a target-rich environment that they can actually shoot at. Um, So I, I don't think that switch needed to happen. Um, and I also think in order to get rid of like giant units of zombies and whatnot, perhaps HE was a good thing to keep around. Um, and it, and it kind of gave them some leeway with some of the new 
weapons, um, how they could accomplish damage for them um, that didn't require a template mechanism, but kind of left the door open if they wanted to bring something in, like the sonic cannon, yep. like you talked about. Would you yep. agree, Dave? Yeah, no, I think they're, they're, they're good observations, particularly around the larger points. Um, the, I, I prefer slightly smaller point size bolt action games, even mm. though I do love the Tiger Tank. Um, but 1250 does seem to be a real sweet spot for conflict because uh, it really is nice to get a couple of those bigger toys on the table. or And some of those weird units are actually pretty expensive if you're going to buy them in a unit of seven or eight, which I think you kind of need to if, yeah. if they're going to be really effective. Agreed. All the I've seen weird... some debate about that on Facebook yeah. around things like whether you should run two smaller squads of Shrek Wolfen, for example, or one big blob. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you can take a unit of three to six Shrekwolfen, and are you going to take two threes? Are you going to take a six? Are you going to take a couple fours? Are you going to—I mean, but those those units tend to be very expensive points-wise. Almost all the yeah. Weird War um, units, except for possibly um, you know the zombies for both the Germans or the the, the Japanese, uh, they tend to be more expensive than your common line troops. So if you're taking yeah. a couple of units of quote unquote regular troops or God forbid, an entire army of Rift Tech units, um, you're going to need more points, uh, especially if you're going to be playing on an even playing field with someone who's maybe just playing a regular bolt-action army with uh, an extra unit or two. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought it was a nice way. I think having slightly more points um, helps to balance it quite a bit. Not to mention, uh, by l using the, the army lists that are in the basic Conflict 47 book and in um, Conflict 47 Resurgence, we see uh, very specific rules applied to specific units. Um, and you're not seeing things like Soviet, uh, Soviet na uh, naval troops that have built-in Tough Fighter. There is yeah. almost no unit in Conflict 47, as written, that has Tough Fighter. Uh, and so... You don't have to worry about that. Um, you don't have to worry about the, the interaction between some of the bolt action rules and some of the Conflict 47 rules because they're just not there unless you want yeah. to, you and your opponent agree to that. Um, something else I wanted to point out that you and I have been playing Conflict 47 since the game's release. Uh, and when yeah. we started, we started playing the Conflict rules as written. Then we started playing Conflict 47 kind of using the old um, bolt action .net season rules um, to sort of update it. Um, to be able, you know, to, to, because some of the rules just felt weird that they weren't there. Uh, yeah. And then we just played outright bolt action second edition with Conflict 47 armies and units and kind of tweaked rules where we had to. Can I just point out, and I know we've talked about that on the podcast in the past and some people have had questions about does that mean that we don't enjoy playing Conflict 47 or blah, de, blah, de, blah. We have not played anything but Conflict 47 straight rules since resurgence came out i think it completely i don't think the game was broken to start with but there was that like well i really don't like some of these first edition rules i think that resurgence completely brings it up to date modernizes the rules and some people have even asked me recently which i like better um i love bolt action second edition i have always said that I might like Conflict 47. I, I almost want to call this 2.0 um, or One Point Resurgence. Um, yeah. I may like it better. Uh, I mean, they're they're different. 
they're both great games, and I love them both. Uh, I think Warlord and Clockwork Goblin, um, I, I was very suspicious of the rules being so, I mean, so close but so different uh, when it happened. And, um, but I think Resurgence has really given the Clockwork guys a chance to play through their rules, have other people play their rules, um, yep. really update the, the rule set to make this a fantastic standalone game as it is. Um, that is, yeah, I, I, I would be hard pressed to come up with a list of maybe three things that I would change with the rules. I kind of like them the way they are. Uh, Dave, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's really nice. Said I think that um, uh, thought's gone. Um, the yeah, the resurgence stuff is just a lot of fun to play with. I think the 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 limitation, the current limit. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I think the the courage of Warlord and Clockwork Goblin to create a similar but different game. Uh, has delivered quite a distinct experience and one that allows the weird war to be more than just a bolt-on. It's integral Agreed. Um, so the, the, to, to, to the, the game and the armies and how they work, which is really good fun. And the, the current limitation of, of conflict in a way is that the, there's just a narrower selection of, of lists. We're, we've only got the major... Uh, combatant nations now plus the Finns and resurgence but that's something that can actually be added to over time and sets up that production schedule um, agreed and and so the that they don't have to worry about trying to balance early and late war tech <laughs> yeah, and that's really don't. Thing, um, just allows them to to do different things in in their lists and scenarios and whatnot so I, I think yeah it's a ripper um, I'm not sure I know I've seen some people, and we've argued this ourselves, um, that it's in some ways it's a, peer, a superior system to the straight bold action stuff, the addition two. But the the two-step close combat, I think, is an unnecessary complication when you don't have weird units. It yeah. doesn't slow down the game very much. And, the, and on the plus side, it would really even out the effectiveness of things like those Soviet tough fighters and the Gurkhas and stuff, because they wouldn't automatically be hitting first. Um, so they, so if they were charging a, a, a larger unit of even inexperienced troops and just assuming the win, that wouldn't necessarily come out that way. Um, so, so yeah, so I've just talked myself out of that again. So even <laughs> still, <laughs> you know what? It's allowed on this podcast. You can change your mind. It's all good. <laughs> Lord knows I change my mind all the time. Uh, all right. Well, so one of the things that Conflict 47 has done in this new book, Resurgence, and what you were talking about a minute ago about the release schedule to come, um, is the introduction of new units and new armies. Now, we know that Conflict 47 is being updated again um, shortly. Now, I'm expecting, and I've heard from a few folks, that perhaps there won't be as many rule changes. In fact, there should be very few. Um, I think resurgence was with the, the rules changes that we were always kind of promised. Um, it just took a while to get out. Um, 
what defiance i believe is what the book is called um the next book yep. that comes out uh it will give us more deliverance in my head deliverance uh, i think no it's defiance okay it is no dangers Whew, that's good because uh you know my uh living in the south i feel like that when i did uh, for as long as i did i feel like there's some jokes that would have been made anyway um so we are going to see more army lists. We are going to see more units and we're going to see um, a big jump, I think, in the fluff. The narrative will move forward. Um, and while the narrative did move forward in Resurgence, um, it I feel like it just ticked like the minute hand ticked one tick. Um, yeah, I, I'm, right. yeah. Uh, go ahead. Dave. I, I was going to say that the, the the background resurgence, the 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 too long didn't read summary in a way was um, the winter was really cold everywhere, yeah. and everybody spent their time rearming and getting mm-hmm. ready for the summer. Um, uh, so yeah, there's things are poised for some craziness, and if defiance um, delivers some new units because they're still and I think and you think of the early days of World War two and the uh, actually World War one as well where as this new tech comes online it does it's not automatically a winner um, tanks were right about from early 1916 and and it was really only late 1917 that that um, uh, the tactics and Monash the Aussie was part of that wasn't he where um, mm-hmm. uh, getting the working out how to do combined arms and make it work. So what is the role of a walker? Um, how do you how do you make that work? How, how do you integrate horror into your assault so that they're not standing out by themselves? So I think that the 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 higher commands and staff officers and the, and the officers in the fields are going to be taking time to to work out what, what are the tactics that we're, we're, are going to work. Definitely. And uh, uh, some of the uh, so uh, I, just to quickly jump forward to what I'm going to say, I'm again going to go forward and back. Um, so it's it's rumored that in the new book we're going to get at least two more nations. Um, so there's talk about the Free French, maybe Partisans, um, and the Italians. Now, there could be different variations of things within that. Um, but what I really like is that in the fluff of this book, they really go about systematically... Um, expanding upon just the couple of sentences of fluff that are, uh, that arrived in the in the first rule book um, to help give those minor nations more of a character and to give them um, to give us an idea of perhaps how they're armed and um, maybe where their loyalties lie and so that this really sets the stage fluff wise for the next book um, and I given how much changed in the basic game in this book. I'm kind of glad that the fluff didn't necessarily jump forward because the rules certainly did. And the army lists that they gave us were rich and there was a lot there. And the new units and the revised unit entries that um, existed in the resurgence book, there was just so much to get your teeth into. I just like how they expand. Um, would you agree? Yeah, no, that that's actually a nice observation that by, um, restricting themselves to a narrower strip of time um, it is time for us to digest these these additions. I guess the other part is they don't want to rush forward too quickly into the future. The book's called K-47. Yeah, exactly. It's not K-49. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
but yeah, they, these the way they're dealing with these new nations, the one the 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 powers that don't have direct uh, access to the rift technology, um, I, I think is is an interesting thing to keep it keep it plausible and and to, and to allow these each of these new lists to come up with their own flavor and, and distinct feel so they're not just um uh every is it kind of like oh here's a minor power supported by germany so they basically look like german units but with less groovy stuff and the on the allied side there's a risk of that happening where oh, they all basically look like the americans except they get they don't get rangers um yeah, right but um i, I think they'll mean the fins and the snippets I've left about the Italians, I think are a real guide that there's a richness there that, that they'll be able to bring. Now I do want to talk Italians um, and perhaps the French in more depth in a couple minutes. So I'm going to put a pin in that and then yep. come back. But um, when we talk about Italians, I guess it does beg the question, which side? Because the fluff talks specifically, I mean, in the main rule book, they talk about it, that um, as of June 1947, um, which is where the game universe is currently sitting, um, half of Italy is an Axis controlled and half of it is allied controlled. And there are Italian forces on both sides fighting. In fact, as you pointed out at the top of page eight, um, on the right-hand column, it even talks about an, an event that happens on the 9th of March of that year um, outside the Sangro River, which sees two Italian forces um, battling, one on the Axis side and one on the Allied side. So I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing how that all works. Um, because, I, well, I, yeah, the, go ahead. Yeah, the, the Italian army, I, I think, will be really nice because the... It really is two lists uh, in, in, in this in this universe, and they'll be able to have um, distinct looks. Because um, I would think the 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 Italians on the fascist side will will keep more of the gear and the uniforms um, uh, of the of the original Italian fascists. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll you'll have black shirts. You'll have the para, parachute units. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I suspect that they'll put their hand up to get horror, et cetera. And so yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll get their share of that. And the guys on the, what do they call them? The Royalist Army? Yeah, that's right. The Royalists. Co-belligerent. Yes. Um, uh, army, uh, they the book says they're, um, the, the background says they're being armed by the Americans. So... Uh, it's kind of like you don't want them to look exactly like the Americans. It's kind of like the challenge that the free French have, isn't it? Where, yeah, yeah, okay, they're all dudes in the American helmets and whatnot, but what, what, what will they bring? But the Italians, I think what the southern Italians have the opportunity to do here is, um, like the Finns, um, include partisans in their list to get inexperienced guys on, uh, as well as um, getting some, some of that US tech. I, I wonder if... You kind of you don't give them a Tesla Sherman, for example, but you make the Tesla um, in situ turret mm -hmm. available to them, and that and that feeds to that um, defense rule in their special rules as well. Well, one of the I mean, just I guess while so I guess we'll get off fluff and get to the Italians because um, we seem to be jumping. Oh, sorry, down you that. said you want to talk about that. No, but um, I. 
I, I'm, I can't, then I, I think I led us down that path. So that's, that's my fault. Um, so if we look at the Italian list uh, from Bolt Action, um, the Italian list, uh, no matter which way you slice it, Axis or Allied, uh, for Conflict 47, if they use the rules from the armies of Italy, it's going to be really interesting. Um, those are some of the most controversial rules that exist in Bolt Action. And um, they're kind of universally hated by um, a lot of people. And a lot of people say, and this, I mean, this was said on the most recent Snafu podcast. I guess yeah, it was not yeah, the like, most recent one, but the one where they talk about the Italians. Those guys yeah. are saying, man, these units look great. Man, these tanks look awesome. Man, these armored cars are fantastic. But every single time they go, oh, but they have the Italian national rule. And um, some well, of the... I get the feeling so that the Snafu guys like to go hard on the table. Um, and yes. I, Whereas I think if you're interested in narrative, those Italian rules are actually okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, the Italian rules are actually really good, um, especially if you're the defender. They're outrageously good. The problem is the rule Avanti Savoia, which, um, uh, look, is very controversial and actually wasn't, and I know the person who submitted the list originally, uh, wasn't in the original list. It was added later. Um, And so Uh, that's kind of, and a lot of Italians get really bent out of shape about this rule. Uh, Italian players, I should say. So at the beginning of each game turn, subtract the number of units lost by the Italian army to the number of units lost by the uh, opponent's army. Uh, Keep track of the order dice lost by both sides. So let's say I'm playing the Italians and I've lost five units and you're playing Americans and you've lost one. Um, If the number is three or worse, minus three or worse, i.e. the Italians are losing three more units than the opposition. So in my example, it would have been four. Um, all friendly Italian units have their basic morale reduced by two. Now that's huge in a game where, uh, morale is such an integral part of passing order tests. And yeah, because that makes your regulars worse than, um, inexperienced. It makes your veterans as bad as inexperienced in the normal game. Yeah. But, but wait, there's more. Um, if the number is three or better, i.e. the battle's going really well for the Italians, all friendly Italian units have their basic morale increased by two. So if they're doing well, they're doing really well. Um, if they're not doing well, well, then they're terrible. Um, or at least that, that isn't so good. Uh, now, for bolt action, that can lead to catastrophic results if you are kind of on the back foot and you're the Italian player. If you start having to take morale checks or order checks at a minus two, if you already have a couple pins, that's going to be harsh. Now, think about Conflict 47 for a second. Conflict 47 is not a game where you shed pins in hand-to-hand combat. You gain them. All of a sudden, the Italians have a severe disadvantage um, in some Conflict 47 situations. Um, given that if they are at minus two on top of being on the back foot, it's almost as though when they're, uh, you know, when they're getting beaten up, um, they're getting, you know, that there's an extra, someone holds their arm behind their back while the bully hits them. Um, yeah, it's, it does give leverage, doesn't it? When you're winning, you you get a buff and when you're losing, you get a kick. Um, it's, um, yeah. 
which is a little disappointing. Now, I, I don't know anything about what the rules for Conflict 47 are. I hope that um, I know with the Finns there were some additional rules added with the Japanese. The rules were different from regular bolt action. Uh, actually, I have to think about that. Maybe they weren't. Um, but every national rule has slightly tweaked for Conflict 47. Now, if Avante Savoia is in the Italian lists, one or the other, or both, um, or neither, I just hope that the Italians have some rules that, um, I don't know, reflect that. Um, I know you had an idea, and I mean, this is just wish listing, and I know the book's already being printed, so it's not like this is going to be in the book, but you had a really neat idea um, for a fun rule um, if you're playing Italian on Italian. Why don't you tell us about yeah. that? Yeah, I, I think that in, in addition to that uh, challenge of getting the, the Italian national rules right, I, I think there's an opportunity here to help uh, support the narrative uh, by making Italian on Italian just different. And I think, to me, the obvious one was when Italians face other Italians, they should all be stubborn. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Just to reflect that, we're not going anywhere. So stubborn and inexperienced, is that weird? I don't know. But, yeah. Yeah, it <laughs> but, could uh, be. Yeah. Uh, but I think something like that would just be um, quite simple uh, to to reflect that kind of um, desire of, of both sides to earn the trust of, of their of their allies um, by, by just going hard and not necessarily being sensible about it, just going hard. Definitely. Well, the, the Italians, I mean, for, for having a couple of controversial rules, one of the things that the Italians have always been, I guess, popular for has been their vehicles. A lot of people love their light tanks um, as because they carry all the machine guns in the world, uh, and their armored cars are pretty spectacular. Um, and that's always sort of been, I guess, the saving grace, um, I know some Italian players have said. Um, I myself, my Italian army, uh, which I sold off years ago, um, was based on the Auto Sahariana, and that yeah. was based on the AS-43 uh, armored, quote-unquote armored car, more like an open-topped bucket with giant yeah. moon buggy wheels that shot across the desert with weapons on yeah. the back, um, sort yeah. of like the Italian version of the LRDG. Um, yeah. that were behind, no, fought behind the lines. These guys didn't fight across British lines. They fought behind their own lines, fighting the British, fighting behind their lines, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, but, I, I, sorry, go ahead. I, the, the, um, that opportunity to, to use, and they are pretty funky-looking um, uh, things. Given it's weird war, perhaps it doesn't matter very much, but I just, the Italian military the hardware they had the french will be like this but the italians in spades they they were the bee's knees in the 1930s mm -hmm. their, their officer class was was awful but but the the engineering yeah. they put into the tanks and the thinking at the time and their aircraft are actually pretty good too uh, for the time but roll forward 10 years of development uh and and put it up against rift tech i feel like the that they should be really undergunned and, uh, but they're not in, in game terms. They'll be full of machine guns, and, and, mm -hmm. uh, and perhaps perhaps that's just how you do the equalizer. You just accept they don't get a lot of rift tech, but gee, you've got a lot of MMGs and whatnot running around. Um, 
But hold on, I think I think it goes back to something you said earlier. Whereas once you start adding Rift Tech units um, and technology, if you take, for example, the Autoblinda Forty One, which is sort of the famous quintessential Italian armored car, it looks very much like a Puma, except it has uh, it's often uh, festooned with machine guns and perhaps has a light auto cannon. What yeah. if you could take some sort of um, like the the I, I the, the, can't think of the name. All of a sudden, the um, the German special weapon carrier on the Panzer, um, which the light version of is now on the Puma. Uh, yeah. and if you took that that special, uh, the filled. Yeah, took that projector, projector and you put it on the back of an auto blinder, that would be cool. Um, yep. If you started yep. incorporating that, or uh, I mean, we know that uh, Italians have some of the coolest looking and perhaps some of the historically baddest-ass paratroopers in World War II, um, the mm. Paradusky, um, yep. if you took those bros and you gave them um, similar rules to maybe the German or the American uh, jump troops, that would be pretty damn special. Like, there's a lot of opportunities, especially yeah. since the Italians have those cool uniforms with the the smocks holding all of the machine submachine yeah. gun clips. I think yeah, the 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 fascists have the opportunity to more directly get those elite units, don't they? With the yeah. the the paratroopers um, and and I guess black shirts could be. Um, uh, could could be trusted enough to get the new gear. Uh, do you think the Americans would trust the Italian paratroopers enough to give them the, the groovy tools? Why not? Well, that's a good question because they're not even giving that to the British, who are their closest allies. Um, supposedly, uh, there is that. I just had a thought on that. Yeah. Um, a place where they might be more willing to trust the Italians is to uh, send them to Iraq and fight the uh, Russians. That is a very good point. That is and then a- you can get your auto-Sahariana going. Oh, Dave, I love it when you talk dirty. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, this, is, this is sounding better by the second, uh, especially since uh, I recently thanked, I, I don't know if he wants me to say his name on the podcast, but I have to thank the gentleman who has been um, yeah, I, he's been holding on to my auto Sahariana for me. I, I, I sold them, uh, and, uh, a week ago I bought them back. And as of today, they are literally in the mail and I'm tracking them progress and they are on their way back to me. So, um, I all of a sudden have a very keen, um, interest in the Italians coming back to <laughs> conflict 47, um, because I have a, a fairly large Perry miniature desert clad um gear clad italian force with the matching auto sahariana vehicles um so what i don't have are the anything else though all my only italian vehicles pretty much are open top soft skin you know truck things that shoot across the desert on huge tires uh what i i'm super keen to see what these new rules do um or what the new army list will be for the Axis or the Allies, um, and to see what kind of vehicles I should be painting to match. Yep. Very keen. Uh, especially since, man, Italian, the Italian little sun hats, they're cool. Uh, they, they look like little pith helmets. Um, you know, throw some weapons on. I mean, 
the Italian stuff in the desert has traditionally been light, small, uh, not very punchy. Because, I mean, realistically, it's an early war slash early mid-war army. Uh, it mm-hmm. will be very interesting to see what happens once Conflict 47, Rift Tech slash Late War gets attached to that. Um, I, I'm assuming we'll see a couple of things in the list. Um, so I'm just quickly flipping down to, because I know there's a few tank destroyers, for example, that are, say, were basically used by the Germans um, and weren't actually used by the Italy because they came out too late in the war. The Semovente 105-25 with the super heavy AT gun uh, that was, I mean, that was literally the Germans occupied the factories and continued its production after its use, and it was used supposedly between 1943 and 1945, um, and the 30 were used by the, the Italians, and then 60 were used for the Germans. Uh, my own favorite Sahariana truck, um, the AS-42 and AS-43, both of those scout cars um, were also used by German paratroopers uh, later on in the war. They were used, um, not in Italy, holding off Allied troops. They were just taken as the uh, Germans rolled back. They grabbed them, rolled out, and kept going with them. Um, And they just kept going. And they're cool. They're so cool looking. And so you go, well, here we go. Now I got some new toys. Anyway, I'm falling down the Italian love triangle, and this is... Probably, uh, we should probably stop and talk about something else. Um, But also, if we get free French rules, um, I hope they reflect what the free French kind of looked like in um, the Battle of the Bulge book, because that was a significant departure from the French rules that we'd seen previously, which makes sense because that was a French list designed for the first opening weeks slash months of World War II. Um, I'm hoping what we see in the Conflict 47 book isn't just that early French list um, with some new weird war units attached to it. I hope we we see something that more resembles the Free French. Um, What do you think, Dave? I agree. I think the Free French rule, that's that's a more obvious starting point for K-47 than those early war lists. It's the same if you're thinking of incorporating Dutch forces or whatever. It'd be hard to make a whole army of those dudes. But, uh, but yeah, the Free French um, starting there, uh, yeah, just let them get on with it. I, I think there'd be some nice opportunities there. The um, and, this, and this is kind of one of the fun things about K-47 of just uh, thinking about well, what, what are the, the possibilities. So we'll... Um, put on the table the the American force I'm starting to think about as just um, uh, using jump troops and these sorts of things. It's um, uh, a much different way to think about things uh, to even your, your mobile auto Sahariana and uh, and the Japanese list you've built with the compression guys that can just walk through walls and stuff. It just mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 it's quite different the sorts of things they can do to suddenly be on top of an objective. Agreed. Well, let's let's get to that then. So one of the things that we did was we played some games recently. And one of the and what Dave's hinting at is in one of those games or sorry, in one in a number of those games, I decided to 
try out the Japanese. Now, we tried them out against a couple of armies, um, and we tried out some different configurations for weird units. Um, but basically, um, I wanted to try... Because when Conflict 47 came out, a lot of people said... Um, the way that Fnatic works breaks the the rules for Conflict 47 and hand-to-hand combat. Now, at the time, Dave and I went back, and we the, one of the, I think the first Conflict 47 battle we played, I, I played my Japanese army, uh, and we determined that was simply not the case. Uh, and I even forgot about that until I was flipping through some <laughs> notes that I had tucked into my Conflict 47 book, which happened to be about that. And I was like, oh, I forgot that was even a thing. It's not a thing. Uh, conflict and Fnatic are totally fine. It's not, it, it doesn't, they really don't break the game at all. In fact, I don't think they felt particularly advantageous one way or another when we played. Do you, Dave? No, I don't think so. I think, um, in fact, that time when they were stuck with the walker and couldn't do anything, the fact that they were Fnatic was an, uh, assisted me. Yeah. <laughs> Dave uh, Dave had a coyote walker that walked through two of my units and uh, I could I, I, I did land a couple good hits uh, but I got pasted uh, because I hadn't uh, I hadn't planned for anti-vehicular combat and I was a yutz and I didn't think about it um, when I was setting the charges up and to be fair we were playing around with assault walkers uh, rules and things like this but man that didn't go well. Yeah, it was a bit of, oh, let's see what happens here. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, now I know how to deal with that before it happens. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Ooh. Uh, so for my Japanese army, uh, I basically took uh, a large number of regular troops. Uh, a couple, one of the squads had uh, some knee mortars. One of the squads had some, had an LMG. Uh, and we added, uh, you know, I put in the old Kempatai officer, not because I had any green troops, but because uh, late war, they were fairly common in Japanese armies. And I'm figuring they would be even more so in Conflict 47. Um, it's Look, to be honest, it's a cheap order dice. But I also, Patch painted me a really beautiful one, and I hate leaving them in a case. So every time I play the army, that stupid Kempatai officer comes out. Now... Sorry. Uh, 15 points, I think. Look, he, he, he's a lovely looking model. I think he's, it's sensible to put him on the table. <laughs> yeah, he's cool. He's fun. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he's ever done anything, but, it, you know, whatever. Fun. Um, so we also included the ghost troops. So we didn't include any of the exoskeleton heavy armor. And they look tasty, but I'm, I'm planning to get to them. I've just had a few things to do in the meantime. But um, the ghost attack squad, or the ghost armor, the guys who look like they're wearing buckets on their heads with lenses on the t- attached, uh, who walk through walls and buildings, what Dave was getting at. Uh, these guys, I love them. Uh, I went with the controversial choice. Rather than buying the box with compression rifles, I bought two blisters of the guys with SMGs. Uh, my, my thought was, when I got them, I really wanted them to be a a counter assault unit like have someone get up in my face or move towards an objective but then have these guys safely hidden behind a building or some line blocking terrain and then once they've gotten close to the objectives these guys can literally just walk through what other people would need to take time to walk around and then just blast them uh in close combat uh and to a degree i'm really happy with how that has worked 
Um, on the downside, uh, what I really neglected, and I know I saw the rule, but it wasn't until I started playing the unit that I really got that when these guys phase through something, when uh, for every model that phases through, you roll a d6. And for every one that comes up with a 1, or anytime you get a 1, the unit takes a pin. Now, that is fairly minor, but when you p are moving and you get up, walk through a building, if you happen to be at long range with an SMG, which isn't hard to do, it's you know, because that's six inches, um, then it's minus one. Well, then if you take this additional thing, all of a sudden you're minus two. So you're, you're rolling fives to hit, which can make things kind of hard to, you know, do that. Ha ha, surprise, I'm blasting you when all of a sudden you're hitting on fives. That, that's not a, a great situation. Um, thankfully, I've been able to get it most of the time where it, they are within that six inches. So you get the the point blank, but even then, that minus one has made a difference in me missing some things. Uh, that said, I, I think the SMGs are a fantastic option um, because then usually that results in them being assaulted and then they have SMGs to fight people off. Dave, what are your thoughts on these guys? You've faced them a couple times now. Um, they're a fun little unit. I do like the extra mobility that they get and... Um I think each time we've played, the, well, actually, no, the most recent time, I think, was probably your most effective use of them, actually, where they just walked through that big house because I I'd basically ignored them. I thought they were heading for the other objective, which I'd already lost, and then suddenly they just walked through that house and they're on top of the one where I thought I was in with a chance and it tipped the game your way. So they, they did exactly what you wanted. They just came out of, out of that brick wall and hosed me with your machine guns at close range. Um, it's nice. And, and the bucket heads are actually fun. I like the look of those models, little Ned Kellys that they are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the little Ned Kellys. Um, somebody else called, said that online, and I was like, what, do you, what unit? Oh, of course. Um, Ned Kelly is a, an Australian Jesse James type character, for those who aren't Australian, um, who famously made armor for himself and his gang. And when the police surrounded them, they wore their armor and uh you know, fought their way, didn't really work out for him in the end. Didn't because I got shot in the legs and hung anyway. But, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> but it's still, they look like the ghost armor. Uh, imagine cowboys wearing, you know, hammered plowshare shears, whatever, um, to look like that. Um, it was very, it, yeah, historically very interesting if you're Australian, um, slash if you dig cowboy-y stuff. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm botching this, but so we, we took that. I, I love those guys. And one of the things that I almost always forget, um, but we thankfully have been playing is that they have the tough rule and they have that extra durability. Um, I don't believe we counted it when they got pasted by the Walker and hand to hand, because I thought that the Walker, um, I thought it was only to shooting, uh, but no, it's not. They actually get that in hand-to-hand -hand as well. So that would have changed things maybe a little, but they would have only yeah. saved on a five-up, and I don't think that would have made a big difference. Um, but in the game we played previous, they also uh, you know, were quite good, and that rule definitely helps save guys. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so other interesting units that we've been messing around with with the Japanese um, was, so I have the... 
the Sasori Light Walker, the Type 6 Light Walker, or the Scorpion Walker, as it is, I guess, more commonly known as. Um, and it is the Japanese version of the German Spinet tank. Now, this thing is awesome. It is yep. my favorite unit in the new Japanese list. So it's um, a light walker, so it's armor 7, but it is, and it's 95 points regular, 115 points veteran, but it's got two forward-facing MMGs. And now that MMGs have more um, dice, this thing's kicking out 10 shots straight ahead. Now, that's awesome. It's agile, it has recce, it's a walker, so it's, it's scuttling about the place. And that would be enough to make me happy. However, you can give it a turret-mounted... Um, oh, I guess it's not turret-mounted. It's forward-facing. It doesn't make any difference. It hasn't changed the way I've been playing it. But um, it, you can take a forward-facing light AT gun, but you can replace that with a light compression cannon. Um, now, the other unit I've been taking, and this is why I bring up both at the same time, is a Chiha, which is the sort of standard Japanese battle tank. But I've been taking it with a light compression cannon in place of its normal weapon in the turret. Now, what's so cool about compression weapons? Well, the light compression cannon is range 36. It gets three shots, and it's plus three penetration. And it does, has this rule called compression wave. And depending on which uh, unit you're shooting at, uh, it can have pretty you know, significant... In, in impact. So if you hit with all three hits, um, you see what else happens uh, depending on the target. So if you roll, if you hit in infantry, you roll three more to hits. So if you hit with all of the dice, it just it smashes them and they take three more hits. If you're uh, rolling against artillery, they also on a one to four, it's treated as infantry, so you get extra hits. But on a five or a six, it's just destroyed, which I think is like brutal. Uh, vehicles get an extra to hit roll, uh, and buildings have no effect. So it's it's a fun little thing, but it's plus three penetration. Now you might say, well, Brad, Japanese don't really have a problem with anti-tank. They have the suicide AT guys, and they are one of the best anti-tank unit in the game. They do in bolt action, not in Conflict 47. Um, the Japanese are not on the back foot that they are uh, in the bolt action universe that they are in the conflict 47 universe. So they don't have the AT guys. So all of a sudden you're looking at an army that has a lot of light howitzers. Um, and so things like light AT guns and compression cannons, uh, that the scorpion Walker carries, um, are fantastic. And the fact that the scorpion Walker is so mobile, um, and can scuttle around and has recce and, you know, with the agile rule gets extra turns, really helps you to get into the side of things that you need to get those hits on. Uh, Dave, I think that's, that's been my experience when we've been playing. You've been playing against this thing. What do you think? Yeah, you're right. I think that, that um, the compression doesn't always come off, but it comes off just often enough uh, that, that those extra hits can really mess you up. Um, so it's kind of up to medium tanks, I guess. You've got a chance with the... Um, and, and getting that extra two hit roll is, is handy there, uh, given it's only, what, plus three? It is, plus but, three, um, yeah. But against infantry and artillery, yeah, they can really ruin your day. 
In our, in our last game, you had a Tesla Sherman that was bullying the center objective and was just, I had nothing. I had nothing against it. I was just looking at going, I can't do anything against this thing. Um, and I drove my Chiha um, through a wall to get up next to it. And I was able to point blank fire the light compression into the side. Um, and by with some really lucky rolling, uh, I took it out, which was amazing and I'm very happy about. But I was expecting that to go south in a big way. But, I mean, I was literally, though that worked out for me, it shouldn't have. And by not working out for me, um, if you had just turned that Tesla turret around and zapped me, uh, I wouldn't have had an answer to the to the tank that, I, that would have kept my units yeah. off of that center objective, and my having that center objective won me the game. So but I, that, but that was the turning point. And so I think while it was a gamble, it was exactly the right thing to do because if you continued to play safe with the Chiha, then I would have had the objective and and won. So uh, you, the the commander at that point just had to to go. Yeah, and, uh, what he could create, and and it, and it made the difference. Well, it really just reinforced in my mind that I need to start thinking about my Japanese army because my Japanese army was originally built. So I have a I have a Japanese army. For those who don't know, um, you can find the articles on how I built it on wwpd.net. If you Google search "old man Morin great code Japanese," you can find the series of articles, including the army building one, where I talk about what's in my army and how I build the models. But it is built off of Battle of Shanghai 1937 because the army was built before Conflict 47 came out. It was made to be played. Um, I wanted a non-jungle Japanese army list. Um, and so I went back to, you know, the invasion of Manchuria, specifically the battle for Shanghai. Um, yes, I know Shanghai and Manchuria are different. I'm just saying like the, the China, the Sino-Japanese conflict. Anyway, because my force was built for that, um, a lot of what I have sort of fits for conflict weirdly and really doesn't fit. So my infantry fit just fine. Um, I'm kind of assuming that um, my army is fighting sort of on mainland China or in a colder area. Um, of course, a lot of the conflict timeline takes place in the winter. So I, my guys are having great coats, not necessarily being in a South Pacific makes sense. Um, and in Conflict 47, because of walkers and because of heavy infantry, uh, the light or sorry, the anti-tank rifle is now common on the battlefield again. Well, they were also in China in 1937. So my force has those. So I feel like my army kind of matches there. What I think I need to do besides finish painting my ghost warriors and my scorpion walker, I think I need to because all my tanks are based on the type 89. Um, which is essentially a reskin Chiha, but are slightly is slightly cheaper and slow. I think I need to actually paint some more modern tanks, um, yeah. and I need to get. And I actually was digging through a drawer to pull out some plastic card literally last night, and I found that I already own the Type One forty seven millimeter anti tank gun, which I was about to order from Warlord, which is a medium anti tank gun um, for the Japanese, and went oh cool, I already have this thing. Um, and because my crew are variable and my bases have 
uh, my artillery pieces have bases that the crew slot into. Um, I already have the crew painted. I just need to paint the gun and the base. So I think that will be an addition to my Japanese army. So it's what I mean by a lot of what I have fits the Conflict 47 universe, but my little pea shooter light howitzer that does D3 HE, I think that thing's got to go. I don't think that fits Conflict at all. But that's a nice example where the for people that have got a, a bolt action army uh, from at least from one of the published armies so far, that that straight up army allows still allows you to enter the K forty seven universe. But with the you've added two units, um, you, you, um, everyone likes another tank, so now you're going to excuse to get some later war tanks um, and a different artillery. So without an enormous investment, you, you'll be able to just evolve that army, extend it into to K-47, and uh, so that's two for the price of one right there. Agreed. Agreed. And um, if uh, I, am I taking up all the time talking about armies, Dave, or is it all right if I quickly hop and then we get back to where you were going with yours? No, I think that's fine. It's, uh, it, it's uh, keep going. Okay. So the other army list in this book, of course, is Finland. Now, years ago, I painted most of the infantry and some of the small teams uh, and a couple vehicles for a Winter War Finland list. Uh, speaking of pre-World War II armies that I was using for bolt action, um, now, I never finished the, the Finn army. The rules kind of got up my nose. They seemed to be really good. Um, and I just, I never got around to finishing it. My, uh, I went... Uh, Last Christmas and a little bit last spring, I sat down and largely finished the infantry for the army. Uh, and I've slowly been working on vehicles over the last couple months. Uh, and all of a sudden, I looked up and I have almost an entire Finland fully painted army for Conflict 47. Uh, and I, I was surprised. I didn't think that it was like, oh, yeah, I have some painted units. And then I put it all together in one of my figure cases uh, and I looked at it and went, man, that's an army. Um, <laughs> what I really need is, you know, to add a weird thing. And then I looked in my closet and sure enough, there was a Thor. And I was like, sweet, I can add the Thor. I know that's a story in the, in the fluff. Uh, it's called the White Death. Um, and I went back and I read it and I looked at the army list and there's no Thor. And I was like, what the, what the hell? I swear there was a Thor in this thing. And then I went back to the White Death little story entry box in the fluff. Now... It's a Zeus, which Zeus, now yeah. the Zeus is the big, like the heavy, super heavy AT gun version, not the heavy howitzer version. And I went, yeah. oh, no, I have I have the wrong walker. Uh, but then I realized I can't I have a lot of plastic card. And so I built an extended barrel that's removable. So by painting it white and by using the way I chip paint and the way I paint winter st vehicles that look weathered, um, the, the markings aren't necessarily going to show as to which nation it is. So all of a sudden, I think once I finish it, I will have a Thor to use with my Germans or I can plug the little barrel extension in and I have a Zeus to use for my fins and with the, the Zeus done... I now have a full Finnish army, um, which I'm pretty excited to put on the table because I, I just didn't expect to have it. And all of a sudden, it's like Christmas. And the weird thing is I painted it. So I'm just really excited that 
between the Japanese, the Finns, and the Italians, oh my god, I have so many new armies to play for Conflict 47, I don't even know what to do with myself. So I'm going to get the Finns done and play with them until the Italians show up, the rules for them, that is. I'll finish painting the bits and pieces that need to go to the Italians in the meantime. So hopefully by the time the next book drops, I'll have another new army to play. I'm, I'm just really excited about the direction Conflict 47 is going and the fact that I've painted armies to match it for once. Um, yeah. Here's, here's a late breaking uh, news. Um, Chris Hale on Facebook uh, about 20 minutes ago posted um, he thinks the Defiance is going to be out closer to June than May. Ooh. All right. On one <laughs> hand, that makes me a little sad. On the other hand, that gives me more time to paint and more time to play with... Army. Yep. Yep, and <laughs> more time to prepare that's an army is a good thing. Beast. Sorry, what was that? Sorry, go ahead. I was saying that that's just reading the Zeus entry. It's a beast. Oh, it's brutal. The Zeus <laughs> and the the Thor are both massive, and uh, both rules wise and model wise. I started. I put the damn thing together, um, and I don't know if this has ever happened to anyone else. I was looking at. It, I was going, yeah, you know, it's 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 a size. You know, it it looks a little big. Um, but then I actually, cause I put it together on a, on my hobby table, but I cleaned everything off it. And so I built this thing. I, I washed it. I built it. I painted, you know, put the base coat on it and I'd started, I'd washed it and I'd started paneling the white in. And then I brought a couple of other vehicles down to continue the white paneling cause my painting process for white's ridiculous. And I put it next to the Zeus and I went, oh, my God, this thing's huge. So then I ran upstairs, and I got my IS-3, and I got my Tiger, and I got my SU-152 uh, and my Panther, and I put them all down next to it. And this thing dwarfs all of them. You think you've seen a big tank in this game, and then you put this thing on the table. It's a presence. Not only is it a beast in the rules, it's big, it's heavy, it's armored all around, it's got the gun that'll put a hole through anything that is both the Thor and the Zeus. Uh, and then you take it and you make it that big. Ooh, it's a bully. And I, man, I love those things. So, yeah, very excited. I guess the question is, Dave, are you excited to play against it as my regular opponent? <laughs> Um, 10 plus so it's a tiger tank but it walks and it is invulnerable you've got a a light auto cannon (laughs) and as if that isn't bad enough because it's a walker it's armored equally on the sides and back what's tough do for a tank for a walker uh, it's so the I remember having that discussion a long time ago. Uh, so there's special rules uh, tough for infantry on page 82. Uh, but the vehicles have their own set of special rules. And what's sometimes people get confused by if you go to the actual rule book on page 104, you actually have the vehicle special rules. So tough on vehicles is a vehicle with the tough rule rolls a D6 each time the opponent rolls equal or over its damage value. So it can walk off a hit on a five up. In its front arc. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Wow, and it's 10 all round. Yeah. The only downside there is it's slow, but 
with a super heavy AT, why would you care? Who cares? Uh, look, it's dis- <laughs> oh, look, bring it on. Yeah, it, it's disgustingly expensive, um, which is why you look at it and go, "Do I really want to take that?" But it's only fifteen um, points more than a Tiger tank. Is it? I yep. was thinking it was more to the tune of an IS three level. Um, no, Fourteen. Oh wow. Okay. Well, I'm. <laughs> you're gonna see it in the fins because no, um, there's, no, there's no hiding something that big on the table. No, and it's and it was reading that box that got that little bee buzzing, and then listening to the guys talk about it on uh, Rift Tech Radio. Uh, they were talking about the new White Death. The White Death, of course, being the classic fin sniper um, that you know was notorious and had you know everyone sweating. Uh, all yeah. the Soviets sweating because he killed so many people. Um, yeah. The new white death is Zeus. And um, what I need to do now is paint up a few spinnies to go with it to match that scenario. But the Zeus is yeah. almost an, oh my God, you're right. It's, I was thinking it was 500 points regular. No, it's 500 points veteran. Ooh, that's, um, that's starting to look very tasty. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. And, I really like what the fin rules, uh, the units that they've taken, and the same thing with the Japanese. It's an interesting mix of sort of kit bashing and combining a bunch of the existing rules that we see in um, the bolt action version of these armies. Um, so they've sort of combined a bunch of entries, like they've done in the other nations. Um, yeah. But they, it really leads to a lot, especially with the Finns, to a lot of variability within their basic squads. But then you have the, um, the jump troops, so they can get um, the Rift Tech jump troops just like the uh, Germans can. You can also take the famous carp, you know, as people call them, Carpatio, Carpaccio, Cappuccino, whatever you want to call these guys. The guy, the the scouts who come on behind your opponent. You can take those. You can take um, the CC recon squads. Now, what I find interesting is you can only take two squads of them in Conflict 47. I think that perhaps the Clockwork guys knew that some people maybe abuse that unit in bolt action. Um, yeah, it, it's an interesting thing. I think restrictions like that can actually help bring flavor and i'm a little surprised i guess the the reinforced platoon structure in itself does this yeah. uh anyway um for the rift tech I, I thought the minor nations might not just have fewer choices but um kind of get restricted as to the number of those choices they can bring but yeah i guess part of the fun of K-47s bringing the weirdness, so why, why would you say to someone, no, you can't have it? Yeah, exactly. Well, what's interesting is it's a fin unit that's in bolt action that they've limited, um, not a weird unit. Well, um, I, I guess yeah. because they're infantry, you could what, get six of them on the table or something. And um, yeah, Yep. But they, they're just saying, don't be that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously, don't be that guy. Um, but they also added that you can take heavy infantry, but only one squad of them. Which I think is cool because I mean, part of the fin thing is the, the the hit and run, and that's kind of the way the rules are set up for the nation. And so you you're not just going to have a phalanx of armored bros walking up the center and smashing people in the face. Uh, and, but and, yeah, and, and that reflects that um, limited resources as well. 
Absolutely. And they added inexperienced troops, which you definitely don't yeah, see. It's the parts of the new edition. I like it. It is. It's not in the originals. Uh, and yeah, I do too. Uh, it reflects what what the battlefield for Conflict 47 would be like and definitely yeah. makes me want to yeah, so I reckon the, um, the Republican Italians, just jumping back to there, they, they, they could plausibly have partisans as well. Definitely. And the Free French, absolutely, as well. I think... I think we'll be seeing more of partisan squads and possibly entire armies in future expansions. And of course, that is literally speculation. I don't know anything. So don't quote me on that. Um, but I like that. And one of the things that I'm, I'm really interested in is I ended up with a crudload of Shrekwolfen um, and um, Nak Yajar, uh, Jaeger, uh, however you want to say it, um, models. I somehow have nine of each. Oh, no, I have six Nakia Jaeger and nine Shrekwolfen models. Um, I was digging out through the drawers and realized I'd ordered extra. Uh, and so what that means is I think I'm going to put a unit of five in my fins, uh, and I think I might put a unit of four or five um, in my deck um, because I'm, I'm cognizant that one of the armies that I haven't weirded up that I own is my deck. And since my yep. British are very weird at the moment, uh, and they're the matching army to fight the DAC, I should probably yep. get some matching units. Anyway, I'm really excited about conflict, and I'm really excited about adding units to change the feel of my existing armies. Um, yep. And I'm really excited about how those armies are changing. But let's, yep. let's switch gears, because you are planning an army from scratch. Um, and let's, yeah, let's talk about that process. Yeah, I, my my only painted army at the moment is Germans, which I extended to add a couple of weird units, uh, and the um, Titan Corps and the, the SS Shock Troopers. Mm -hmm. the, and the, I've been planning on building a bolt action US force for some time now, and uh, but I've found myself starting with the weird. So I'm doing K forty seven for the US, and and the thing that I'm, I've started is uh, Mud Skipper. Oh yeah, and, uh, and and thinking, okay, well, I, just a really mobile army. So I, I'll get uh, some jump troopers, uh, the the rocket guys. So that they'll be that part. Um, I happen to have a jeep. I'll just put the officer in a jeep because he also needs a bit of mobility. So mm -hmm. I'm just sort of thinking uh, around uh, building up a really mobile kind of army that way. And so put put the dudes in trucks and maybe a half truck or something. Now for those. Um, for those who don't know, the Mudskipper is the jump walker for the U.S., um, but it was updated in the Conflict 47 Resurgence book. Um, do you have that open, or would you like me to read it out? Um, yeah, you better read it. Okay. I'd have to turn pages. Sorry, it's on page 45. So if you're following at home, Conflict Resurgence, page 45, we have the M2 Mudskipper, and it's 240 points veteran, so you have to take it veteran. But it has it's an it's an eight plus armor medium walker, um, and it is two forward facing uh, light auto cannons with coax MMGs. Um, it's also two heavy machine guns, um, one in each arm, and has two fists, so you can use them in hand to hand combat. Um, actually, I think I misspoke. It's two light auto cannons and one MMG, not two. Um, it can replace its heavy machine guns, however, with bazookas for 10 points per arm. It's a walker. Yep. It jumps. It can fight people in hand-to-hand -hand combat. 
um, and it has fists, as mentioned, which means it can assault units and vehicles, and that can be really powerful in this game. Um, now, Dave, how are you going to... You said you were going to have some U.S. jump infantry go along with these guys. Um, yeah, so, I've, uh, yeah, I've painted a, a bunch of the Eureka Rocketeer girls. Nice. Because I, I think there's an opportunity here to, to get a bit of diversity happening in K-47. I, I think as the as the nations uh, uh, struggle for for combat fit soldiers, I, I think that quite a number of them will, might, may well start uh, uh, recruiting women as well. And, and I'm sure they're up for it. The modern forces have shown that. And, uh, and the Russians actually during the Second World War. Eh? Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm putting the Rocketeers together with the, the Hornet uh, there to, uh, sorry, the Mudskipper. To, um, to, to be the, the mobile wing of, of that force. Now, before oh, hold on, before we get into your army, though, you actually wrote a really interesting blog article about um, sort of gender equality in Conflict Forty Seven. Um, do you want to quickly plug that because I I really enjoyed reading that, and I don't know if it's a big discussion point for us tonight, but I definitely because because I agree with you. But I think that um, if other people are interested in that, I think it would be a fun read. Um, could you? Tell people where to find it. Uh, it's a WordPress blog called Faith and Steel. Uh, I think if you Googled Faith and, Faith and Steel as one word uh, on WordPress, you'd find it. Uh, it started out as a 40K thing, but uh, broadened to include my other interests. But nice. the, um, uh, the, yeah, my, my, my really very simple thought at the heart of that was uh, diversity in gaming and, uh, and just getting broader representation on the table uh, and in this case uh, representation of women and because it's a, a science fiction setting there's just hell we're making up zombies we're making up vampires let's just broaden this to get to get our broader uh, stuff on the table and I just made some little observations that were starting points just some thoughts on how that might happen by by each of the belligerent nations uh, and I think the US That'd be well on for it, I think. Well, yeah. I mean, if we think about how many women were uh, involved in the production effort um, slash yep. were in the armed forces in one way or another, maybe not uh, in a absolutely. lot of direct combat roles, but um, allied armies and German armies um, used women uh, in many roles throughout the war. And as yep. you say, the Soviets had direct fighters, that lots of them that were women. Some very yep. famous um, heroes of the Soviet Union were women. Yeah, and the um, uh, and while there was a certain amount of promotion around that, that it was built on a core of truth and partisans as well. Uh, the French, uh, uh, the Dutch, um, true, true, yep, uh, and Yugoslavians as well. Uh, uh, women's were women were certainly prominent, and I suspect also in the um, the Home Army in Poland were all um, uh, part of it. Uh, uh, prominent and important. Um, so I think that uh, acknowledging that and, and bringing that to the table is not a bad thing. 100%. Well, okay. So let's go back to the army list building. So Mudskipper and Rocketeer Girls or Jump Troops. How many squads yeah, of jump, jump Troops are you talking about taking? Because it sounds like you're, you're going beyond adding a little weird to an army. I mean, you are literally building a concept, a mob, a whole, a highly mobile force. So what kind yeah, of units well, are you thinking? It's kind of, the starting point 
I guess it came from two starting points, is that uh, I was thinking the US force I was going to build for bold action, I was thinking building it around kind of a, a recce list, um, like a reconnaissance force, not just exploiting the recce rule. Mm. Um, uh, and so having the, the troops in, in trucks or, or uh, uh, putting a half track on the table, just because you don't see very many of them. Right. Uh, uh, and, and then... With the K-47, I, I saw these Rocketeer girls, and I thought, ah, oh, you know, they're they from Eureka. But uh, I thought, gee, they, they, they might fit that role quite nicely. And then looking at the rule book, it's like, oh, one of these walkers jumps and flies. That will go with them quite well. And, in fact, that will um, kind of fits in with that whole theme. So that's actually as far as I've got in thinking in, 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 in the list building. Um, I, I think in the the normal grunts that will go with them if I put them in trucks so they can kind of keep up. And I guess theme-wise, perhaps add some engineering type stuff to that. So you kind of think, well, who's who's maintaining and keeping this mud skipper fit? So perhaps, you know, include a recovery vehicle because that's something else that has been added uh, in the resurgence books is mm-hmm. those recovery vehicles and and the, a number of the scenarios. You know, if you've played one that you can get points by recovering tanks which is a, looks like a fun little dimension that we've never bothered trying to do but i, I just thought maybe i'll stick one of those in the list and and yeah really uh being and then on the other side you go well what else is weird in the u.s list there we haven't got those guys i'm thinking some of those heavy troopers mm-hmm. um uh and and that's less mobile but you stick them in a truck and uh, they'll be able to move about exactly. and so and, and so yeah just this very mobile kind of strike force so whether they're um securing a flank uh, uh on Patton's army or something or, or or perhaps they're actually the the, the tip um on the punch that'll depend on the scenario i think yeah I, I agree i think i think it's a really cool idea i as you know i like mobile armies and one of the things that you and I haven't done a lot of time exploring is the jump rules. Now, they did update the jump rules in the new Conflict 47 Resurgence book. Um, they did add that if you are assaulting someone out, um, you don't count as being in cover if you started in cover. I guess the way the rules were written was if you were jumping to assault someone out of cover, you got the benefits of cover if they react fired. Um, and that kind of was ridiculous because you were flying through the air and then you got hard cover as people were trying to shoot yeah. at you. So they, and they, they clarified that. I'm glad they and, did. Um, triggering an ambush. Um, yes, uh, that's they, it. You use an ambush. They're in the open and, and that makes sense. Um, so we'll just, um, yeah, I guess we'll have to see how that plays out. And that's one of the things, I mean, that, that makes sense. And that's something that we kept coming back to again and again when we were playing conflict 47 was, you know, these rules make sense. Um, there isn't any of those, you know, head-scratching moments. Um, back, I guess it was in the 80s, Dragon Magazine had a page, and I think it was called Murphy's Law, was a comic strip in the back of Dragon, and it it told um, tales of wacky rules that belonged in other game systems that would allow for crazy events to happen. And it was, you know, truly for nerds. Um, which is why I loved it. But it was like, you can, um, if you pick up blah, 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 like you can fly in this game system. Like it, the rules, but I don't think Conflict 47 would necessarily allow that. Um, the rules are very clear. They're intuitive. They make sense. And they make sense. So 
anyway, I, I guess I'm going to get off my uh, soapbox there. Yeah. Uh, so so that, go ahead. I didn't say, so that U.S. force will, they're all, they're, some have made it as far as the um, painting table. Most are still in their boxes in the cupboard, but um, they'll, they'll come together over the next couple of months. Now, you've been playing a little bit of Americans using my American army when we've been playing. Um, did you have any, I mean, clearly the move rule where you don't take a minus one to shoot when you advance, um, that's pretty cool. Um, is there anything else that sort of jumped out at you when we were playing games other than the fact that the bazooka's got a pretty good range and really puts the hurt on things? Well, I think they're, they're the two things that, that um, came to me. I, I, I had sorry. bought a number of um, uh, bazookas they're sitting there in their blisters, and, and the, the mud skipper, I've stuck the bazooka rockets on rather than the machine gun. Nice. Because I figured that, that they're likely to find themselves kind of isolated for the rest of the army. So if them and the, the so the girls have got SMGs and, and, and the um, mud skippers got the bazooka, so they'll, they'll kind of be a little bit self-contained and, and might work okay. Um, and, yeah, that move and shoot, it just fits the theme again, that, you know, the mobility and keeping it going, and that is a really nice rule. Um, you know, I've been on the receiving end of it a lot, so it'll be nice to, to throw that back out. Um, and and the bazooka, you know, I just feel like the, the, the Panzer Shrek, it's just never really worked for me in the German army, but yeah, the bazookas, I'm, I'm liking the sound of them. Well, you made a mess of my, uh, so I, I sprung the trap and popped your Tesla Sherman with my Chiha, but then you made a mess of that in return with the bazooka that you had neatly stuck next to the wall, waiting for me to run out in the open. And, um, that, yeah, that worked. I think that worked out really well. Um, yeah. Yeah. He turned around and took out, um, at least put some pins on the tank the very next turn, so they paid for themselves. Oh, yeah, in a big way. And people who are concerned about um, the minus one. So in Bolt Action Version 1, um, Shape Charge Weapons had a minus one to hit, uh, and P that rule was not removed for Conflict 47. And we talked about that, how it probably, getting, getting rid of that minus one might have made walkers... Uh, a liability in Conflict 47. Uh, but man, I, in that last game, you definitely proved that you, even with a minus one, a bazooka is a force to be reckoned with and you can really lay the smack down with it. I, I think you're right around the, the, the walkers being a bit more exposed to that because the, the, the walkers generally being one point of armor less is a lot of seven and eight plus walkers, not so many nines and right. just the Zeus of the 10. Uh, the, it's brought only tank rifles back into play as well. Mm -hmm. You really don't see a lot of them outside of early war. Um, and so suddenly they've they pulled those out of their warehouses and got them back on the, on the battlefields again. Yeah. And, and I was, I was cognizant because you had heavy infantry coming up the middle and I stuck my ATR, my anti-tank rifle in a building and wait, waited for your guys to come around the corner and then ambush fired. And it was nice to be like, yep, and that's one guy did. And there's another guy did. And yeah. and it and it was like, it, as fluff as written, that's kind of what they're now for, yeah. like a new sniper yeah. class for heavy infantry, and they did that. It was great. Yeah. I, and I think um, with the heavy infantry and the walkers to a certain extent, um, having played a lot of 40K, um, walkers and heavy infantry are not um, dreadnoughts and space marines. No, they're not. <laughs> they still need cover. 
Um, they're they they're just humans inside tin cans. Um, so they so you so they are they are a bit more resilient than your your normal troopers. But they but they actually you still need to use cover and, and manoeuvre properly and 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 uh, and uh, try and pin that opposition before you dash across the open space. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I completely agree. I could not agree more. In fact, I don't think there's a unit that you can really get away with just smashing through somebody's army um, in this game. And I really like that. I feel like there's an answer for everything. And that if you have a balanced army, man, you've got a you've got a tool to take out just about anything. So absolutely, you've got to take that balance balance list because everything has its opposing weakness. Um, but there's enough complexity in there that it's not simply rock paper scissors and and most units have at least a remote chance against most of the other things not exclusively but yeah if you remember to shoot the choppy stuff and chop the shitty stuff yeah Yeah. which are rules uh, i guess sorry that's a rule to live by really though isn't it yeah, absolutely. For most systems. Exactly. Now, um, I think uh, we are nearing the end of our time today. Um, is there anything that you wanted to talk about before we wrapped up? No, I think we covered it. The the, the We spoke a little bit about the background um, and how it only pushed forward a bit. Um, the, the new lists and the possibilities of how we bring Rift Tech into that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad you raised the, the diversity piece. I think that, that's important. And, and yeah, the, the army, no, I think we covered a lot of ground today, Brad. I agree. I agree. Thank you very much, as always, for coming on, Dave, and uh, for playing. And, I, and I'm really looking forward to uh, getting the fins on the table slash playing some just regular old bolt action with you, if you don't mind facing my auto-Sahariana. Um, and I'm, I'm just counting the days until uh, we get... The, the next book and I get to see what my Italians can do. Speaking of which, um, Bolt Action also, sorry, Warlord also leaked um, images of the cover. I think it's on Amazon and a description about a book that's dropping quarter four next year for Bolt Action. There, it looks like there's going to be four um, campaign books for next year. Uh, of course, Market Garden's the next one coming, which will be probably hitting us in, maybe within the month. Uh, and of course there will be an episode of this podcast about that book when it drops, but the one that comes out next Christmas ish, uh, is another desert book. And the rumor is, um, going off of what was leaked on the bolt action Australia page, we're going to see some possibly new Italian stuff, which makes me very happy. Sorry, Dave, go ahead. And, uh, and the Aussies uh, uh, and the and the Kiwis, I guess, if they're talking about uh, Tobruk and uh, and Alamein as well. That's right. And I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully a selector for Italian paratroopers in the last battle of El Alamein. Oof, that'll be amazing. But yeah, you're right. Seeing how we haven't had, I mean, the British book is sort of a catch-all for everything. But seeing uh, specific selectors for Australians and uh, Kiwis or New Zealanders. In the desert, um, that would be fantastic because they've only been yeah. mentioned. We we really haven't seen those rules. Yeah, yeah. Right. I on. think um, that, that's that, that did uh, pique my interest. Um, the the other thing I've seen recently was uh, images of the SS shock troopers. Yes. To date, we've all been proxying things with different bits and pieces. Um, but uh, yeah, the, those those new models they look really nice. 
They really do. And the, that got me looking at the uh, Fallschirmjäger jump troops again. Um, and you can tell that a similar design aesthetic went into both. And, man, they both look awesome. They look yeah. very, very cool. They look very modern. Um, it's like Cas Castle Wolfenstein where you see, like, modern aesthetic attached to German fa <laughs> fashion sense um, for World War II. For un and, it, it, yeah, they look badass. So mm, I think we're going to see a lot more of them on the table. Yep. Well, right on. Well, unit, so I think we will. Definitely. Well, thank you very much uh, again for coming on. And thank you at home for listening. Uh, this has been Cast Dice. Uh, again, we are going to jump around game systems uh, and topics in the next couple of weeks slash months. But do expect an episode on the new Market Garden book for Bolt Action. Uh, and do expect another Conflict 47 episode. Uh, episode hopefully within the next month or two uh, it'll give us a chance to play some more games um thank you very much for everyone who's been giving wonderful feedback we've gotten a few i got a, a really sweet and awesome messages in the new year uh of people who've been listening um people who've been enjoying things or had some questions about uh how the show works or the games that i've been playing um if you have a question about any of these episodes please feel free to contact us. Facebook's the best way. Uh, please go to Facebook and search up Cast Dice, um, C-A-S-T Dice. Um, you will find us at the Land O Misfit Toys slash home of the Cast Dice podcast. Um, I will answer your questions as they come in, uh, and answers are guaranteed. Uh, I, I'm sometimes not so great about answering emails. Sorry, Paul. I know you've uh, sent... A few, and I'm terrible at getting back. Um, but guys, please uh, keep sending feedback as it comes in. Things you like, things you don't like, uh, let us know. And if you want us to talk about a game system, a lot of people have said they wanted me to talk about uh, Star Wars Legion. So the last episode was about that. And I will be doing more of that with that game system in the future. So if there's something you want uh, to talk about or you have questions about, please contact. Anyway... Thank you very much for tuning in, and without further ado, uh, may your dice come up hot, and may your beer remain cold. Have a lovely night. Good night from Cast Dice. Good night.